Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Gang, we got a great episode for you today. Super excited about it. What do you do when the clients complain about the prices? Gang, I think if you worked in vet medicine for more than an hour, you've had this experience. We're going to get into it. Let's go. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie. I wear every single chain, even when I'm in the house, Goss. <laughs> Starting oh, from the bottom, now she's here. How's it going, Andy? It's good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. This uh, summer crazies have seemed to slow down just ever so slightly in the clinic. And I think we got five seconds to breathe as a team. So, you know, it's it's been good. How how things are with you? It's good. Yeah, the summer is starting to slow down a bit. Um, been doing a lot of a lot of time in the clinic recently, so staying really busy, uh, which I, I enjoy seeing a lot of patients. Good stuff. So that yeah. is super awesome. the The summer is definitely winding down. The kids stuff is getting back. Their extracurriculars are now in full swing. They're yeah. still working. You know, Allison uh, and I are working the kinks out of kid management. You know, there's a lot of handing off and client. I mean, we UPS has got nothing on the logistics we run at our house, and I I know <laughs> we are not alone out there. Yeah, no, not not at all. It's like it, it feels like the second school starts, all of all of it picks back up, and you go from the full tilt speed of summer, and then you have like one day where you feel like you can breathe, and then all the kid stuff starts. I I swear the structured. Okay, like structured full speed, it feels better to me. Like right now it's rocky because we're getting back into it. But I I feel like, you know, in the summer sometimes there's chaos, but it's unstructured and everybody's kind of freestyling. Yeah. And like that's that's in a way that's more stressful to me than there's a plan. Everybody knows what it is. We all know where everybody has to be and we're just run. And I think I think running when I know what I'm doing, I think that feels more productive and rewarding than feeling like I'm just try- I'm sprinting around trying to stop balls from dropping, you know, totally. I think that, I think that's true in life. I think that that's, that goes a lot to why you and I explain things the way that we do in practices. Too many practices are people sprinting, trying not to get balls to drop versus yeah. other practices that work real hard, but everybody knows what they're doing and what they're supposed to do. Um, are, those are just different things. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, well, I yeah. feel, I feel very confident about the first half of this episode. I'll just tell you that. We, uh, only, only, the, only the first half? Only the first half. Because we've done the first half before. So a couple of weeks ago, Stephanie and I sat down to do this podcast. And she was uh, in a hotel room on, on Skype. And uh, and she were doing like 20 minutes in. And then workmen start banging on the walls in the hotel. They're in the next room over and they're driving nails. And so we're like, yeah, we can't do this. And Stephanie said, I, I will fix this. And so she went out to her car. And she was could get the hotel Wi-Fi. So she's on a hotel Wi-Fi in her car. She looked like Dr. Ernie Ward in that video where he sits in the car. And we see uh-huh. the temperature going up. So she's starting to sweat. But she is she is Stephanie Goss. And she is getting it done. And <laughs> she's sweating and doing this podcast. And then this man with a jackhammer comes over and just starts hammering right next to her car. I, like At that point, we're like, this is, this is, this is not meant to be. This is, this is not, not going to happen. <laughs> Oh my god, it totally was. And we we're in, I was still in Kansas City, so it was hot out, it's humid. I'm like, it's fine, it's fine, I can handle it, you know. And at 45 minutes in the 
car. It'll be totally fine. It was just not going to happen. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> that guy walking up with a jackhammer and just hammering right next to your car was hilarious. Well, and the thing that killed me is that he came over to my window and I indicated, like, I'm on the you know, I'm on the phone. I had my earbuds in. I was like, I'm on the phone. And he he shook his head like, oh, okay. And he I gave thought, you the okay, okay symbol. Yeah. Okay. And then no, he just walks right over and starts jackhammering. I'm like, oh my God, I can't. <laughs> so <laughs> it isn't, was, that, it was, isn't that life? You like you leave because of construction in the building only to have a random man in the parking lot with a jackhammer. I don't know if he worked there. He could have been a homeless guy with a jackhammer that he found. Guy and what? Who? who, who oh I don't know what was happening. But oh I think that was a sign from above that we were supposed to do this episode today. And that was definitely <laughs> it. Was definitely one for our outtake reel. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a really good one, and I'm glad. Right. I'm glad okay. we're. I'm glad we're going to do it because we got. Um, we got a message from one of our listeners who uh, said she loves listening to the podcast, uh, which is awesome. Uh, we love hearing you guys' feedback. Uh, and she sent us a, ma- a-, a message saying that they have recently impre- increased prices at their clinic. And they had the conversation with the team about not changing the prices on the invoices. And she said she had actually listened to the podcast that you and I had done before about changing prices. And she felt like it was super, super helpful. Now what she's um, wanting to know if we can talk about is how to help the team reply to clients when they start complaining about the pricing or when they come in for a visit, um, the idea of having to even come in for a visit, clients wanting to have services without having to come in for an office visit, or those clients that we have all dealt with at some point in time who are the ones saying, well, if you really loved pets, you would do this for me for free. Or, well, I guess if you're not going to help me, I'll just have to take care of this problem myself and threatening the vague, um, deeply painful things that clients will sometimes threaten to us. And she said her team is really struggling with what to say in those situations so that they feel confident. And especially for the front desk team, not feel that overwhelming panic of not knowing what to say when someone makes a complaint like that. And so she was asking about techniques not only for um what to say but also how to say it yeah no i I thought it was a great question so for those keeping score at home the podcast you referenced was uh uncharted podcast number 11 that was people keep changing our prices and so if you're wrestling with this and you're um and you're you know you're you're having problems with clients complaining about money or your staff is coming to you because they're struggling with clients complaining about prices Honestly, that may be a good place to start because that episode is all about getting the team on board and understanding the prices that you have so that they'll stand behind them. And um, in that episode, it was very much about people keep changing the prices. That's because they haven't bought into the prices. Buying into the prices is another key piece in getting people to stand behind the prices. Even if the idea of changing the price never crosses their mind, it does help them to at least know the why when it comes to the conversation that they're in. So that's not, that's episode number 11. Go back, check it out. Um, people keep changing our prices. So I would start with that. This is, um, this falls also into my category of at some point when you keep getting surprised, 
it's not a surprise anymore. And so what I say, <laughs> I love that. It's true. It's like, I just, I once, I mean, we got the fifth time this week, we got surprised by a client that was not happy about the price. Really? A surprise five times this week. Wow. Um, at some point, it's not a surprise anymore. And so if your front desk staff is getting pushback on the prices, I'm not saying you should change your prices. I'm saying you should own the reality that this is what they're facing and stop acting like, we're, well, we'll figure it out when we get there. It's like you get there again and again and again. At some point, it's worth investing into having a good response. And I think that that's what this episode is about today. Do you feel good about that stuff? Totally. And, and I'm, I'm not laughing because, um, I, I am laughing because I have been in that position. And even recently, like I had that moment in the clinic where I <laughs> was dealing with the, the same thing for the upteenth time in a week. And I, I thought about, <laughs> I thought about it and I was like, okay, why am I still acting like this is a surprise? Yeah. <laughs> this, this, this is my reality. Like I need to deal with this. And I can't stop pretending that this is going to change itself. And I think sometimes it gets really easy to be like, oh, well, that's the first time I've heard this. But I, it, it's, it's painful. And I and I laugh because I, I know the truth of it. And it happens to, I think, all of us um, at some point or another in the clinic. And I think for some of us, it happens more often than not. And I think those team members are the ones that I know that I'm talking to is like, look, when this is happening over and over again, it's probably time to really kind of confront the reality and, and look at what is your actual truth. Yeah. And let's be clear here too. If this is happening at your clinic, it's not a condemnation of you or your team, right? It doesn't mean you're doing something totally. you shouldn't be. If you're, um, in Coronado, California, which is a super wealthy little island area. Uh, you know, I know that people complain, complain about the prices there. Don't get me wrong. I know that. You are probably going to experience that less often than if you are trying to practice really high quality medicine in a economically depressed area, right? It's like, that doesn't mean you shouldn't practice high quality medicine. It just means that your team is going to have to discuss the reality of your prices and the more mm -hmm. confidently they can do it, the better care the pets are going to get and the better business you're going to run. So, so okay. don't take it as a slam if you're having to have these conversations, right? I want to put two other things. These are sort of philosophy things that I always like to start with out on the table just because we should see them, okay? Veterinary medicine is unique. I don't know that there's another business in the world where the person providing the service wants to provide the service more than the person who wants the service. You know what I mean? It's like, I can't okay. imagine an auto mechanic with tears in his eyes saying, please let me change your oil. Let me right. do this for you. But I see that in vet medicine all the time. And I have been that person, you know, like I, we desperately want to do this work. And so somebody pushing back on the prices or complaining about the prices when we really want to help this pet. I think that that is a unique problem to our industry. And I think we should just own that and see it for what it is. So let me just lay it on the table whenever we talk about prices, just so everybody can look at it, know that that is true. And that it may be part of what makes this difficult for you in defending prices is you desperately want the person to agree so you can do the thing. And that heightens the tension here because you want this, you want to do the work so much. And that mm -hmm. is a, is a good thing and an understandable thing. 
recognizing it is the first step to being able to manage those emotions effectively, right? And the number two thing that I want to put out, and I don't want to unpack this too, too much, but I feel like in veterinary medicine, and I've been thinking a lot about this recently, I think a lot of us struggle with this feeling of unworthiness. Like we are these driven perfectionistic people and we have always worked so hard and we've always gotten it right. And for whatever reasons in our lives, we have come to question whether or not we are good enough, like we are valuable enough, whether or not we are worthy of, um, I don't know, of, of compassion, of, of, of love, you know, of, of, um, of respect. I think that we, some of us question that. And so when clients push back against our prices, I think it presses right on that nerve of maybe I'm not worth this money. You know, I'm just a technician. How could a nail trim that took me five minutes, how could that cost $35? Whatever it costs, you know what I mean? Like, and we get into some of these psychological things for us about our own value. And I think that, um, I think that's very common in vet medicine. And again, I, I think it goes back to the fact that a lot of us are perfectionists. We are very driven. And I think a lot of us are driven by this idea or this fear that we're not good enough. And so when clients push back against the price, it affects us deeply because it's almost like this validation of like, I don't think you're good enough. I don't think that you're worth this. And again, I, I don't want to unpack this too much because we could do a whole podcast on this. I, I, I'm wondering if there's people out there nodding their heads right now saying, I, I feel seen. <laughs> I feel seen. Uh, I, I hope that that's true. Um, I hope I'm not the only one who's kind of rolled that around in their mind. But I do think just when we start thinking about why are we affected by clients pushing back, it's not just a business issue. It's not just a trust issue. It really is about the fact that we desperately want to do this work and we do care deeply. And I think a lot of us also take this as a, as a jab at our own personal value or the value of our services or our skills or our time. And, uh, and that affects us. So, um, so there's a lot of reasons that the team can be really bothered by people pushing back. And I think it's important just to lay that down as part of the problem. Yeah, I think so too. And I, and I think the other, the other piece of, of that point is that we're talking about a profession full of very empathetic, um, people who tap into their emotions and their compassion all day long, every day. And so, when you're standing at a front at the front desk and you have a client who says to you, well, if you really loved animals, you would do this for free. Or, you know, you, you should be able to help my pet. I guess if you're not going to help me, I'm going to, I'm going to take them home and take care of the problem myself. That hits squarely in the feels for the people who spend all day giving of themselves and who tap into that compassion and that empathy, not only for the patients and the pain and discomfort and the stress and anxiety that our patients have and trying to minimize that for them, but also for, for the clients. I mean, we spend all day wrapped up in other people's emotions. And so when people lash out in that way, it is very, very hard to have that perspective and to not push it back on yourself and say, well, could I have done something else? Could I have done better? Could I have made this easier for them? It's hard to not take it upon yourself. I, like you, I have had those same kind of thoughts of not only wanting to be better and do better and question like, 
did I, am I really worth this? Did I, did I do enough? Could I have done more? Um, but also to feel like, did I, did I do the, did I do the right thing? You know, I, and so I, th- I think that that's a really, really valid point. And I think that it's, it's a really hard one because we spend all day in that place. Okay. All right. I agree. Okay. Let's get into this thing. Let's fix this problem. So the okay. first thing, the, the first thing here. Uh, so, so now that we've got those things in our mind, okay. And I think we're in a good, healthy headspace. Always start with the headspace. For me, the, the first part is the pep talk, right? So I get the team together. I get my front desk people together. The first thing we need to do is validate them, right? So valid, validate the scenery. I don't think it's helpful to act like, hey, front desk, I don't understand why you guys are struggling with this. Just tell them this. I, that doesn't bond, that doesn't pull the team together. That doesn't bond them. You know what I mean? Um, part of the reason that I talked about the the philosophy stuff and the worthiness and things like that at the very beginning is because that stuff is important. I think it's important to say, I know how uncomfortable this conversation is. I know how crappy it can feel for people to have these to have these uh, these thoughts or to put them back at you. I just want to val I just want to validate what you're seeing, what you're feeling. Like that is real, okay? And then the next part of this is preparing the team, right? This is going to happen. I don't care how great your practice is. I don't care how reasonably priced your services are. Honestly, the more reasonably priced your services are, the more likely people are to compare about the price. You know, I guarantee. There are more people complaining about the prices at the Best Western Hotel than at the Ritz-Carlton. You know why? Because people know what they're getting when they go to the Ritz-Carlton. The Best Western, there's a more cost-conscious client going there. Those people aren't going to the Ritz-Carlton. They go to the Best Western, and then you are dealing with cost-conscious clients, and you end up arguing about money more often. That's my best. I have not – Best Western has not returned my calls. I don't know if that's true. I think it is. (laughs) Let's just pretend that it is because it's a good story. So – and it makes the point. So <laughs> it is not about your prices, honestly. It is about expectations of the clients and the clients that you're dealing with and what's going on in your area and and them. So one of the first things I say is this is not about you, right? You as the front desk person, this is not about you. You didn't set the prices. You don't, you know, you don't control the finances of the clients. Like you are a hundred percent in the middle. You have a job to do. If you take that burden and responsibility off your shoulders, I think it's emotionally very beneficial. And then the last thing I want to do in the pep talk is very much set the idea in my team's head that our clients are good people, right? They are good people. They just have their own concerns. They want what's best for their pets and money is tight. Like we can, we all understand that. Who knows what they're dealing with? Who knows what's going on in their lives? And I can tell a ton of stories about, you know, a difficult client and we get to the reveal of what's actually going on. I don't have to tell you those stories because you know those stories. You've seen them, right? Everybody's fighting a battle we don't know anything about. It's not about me, the front desk person. It's about that person. And so choose to believe we are dealing with good people who are struggling or who are afraid or who are stressed, who we are trying to help. And that is the most productive mindset to have these conversations. Okay, so let's talk about some of the tools that the team can use to handle this challenge, right? When Definitely. What um what are some of the tools in in your toolbox? So <clears throat> I just let's get real simple. I mean, going to the team, giving them the tools, don't get don't take this personally. Mm-hmm. I, I think we you have to clearly state that. Do not take this personally. This is not about you. 
And I know that we just spent a lot of time talking about that headspace, but say it to your people. Don't mm-hmm. take this personally. Don't get defensive. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a training thing, right? Like, it's easy to get defensive when someone says, I can't believe you charged this. Especially if you're part of a team that you love, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, I think a lot of the front desk, and like, I love my front desk. And the front desk will go to the map for me because they mm-hmm. love me and I love them and they're wonderful. But I don't, that's not always, that's not productive. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want them to go to the mat, uh, even though like my heart loves it. My brain is like, yeah, you know what? Better just not to get defensive. Mm-hmm. And the last part of that sort of initial toolbox is uh, assume good intent, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody, if they're giving you a hard time, assume it's because they're trying to do what's best for their pet with the limited resources they have. And that just helps me mentally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, I think mine are, are super similar. Uh, the, the things that I always start with is you got to be calm and you have to be kind and you have to be rational. And sometimes it's just having that, that pep talk with the team to say, those things from a perspective of you, you can't take it personal. It's not it for, for 99.999% of the clients. It's not personal. We choose to make it personal because we want to help them. And we come from this place of empathy, but that place also allows us to take it personal when it's absolutely not. And so it's, it's remembering to just take a deep breath and to not get defensive and don't automatically go to that place of oh i'm i'm sorry that um that it's expensive um i think one of the challenges we we feel we we take it personally and then we take on emotions or thoughts that the clients may or may not even be feeling right. Like I've seen, I've seen so many times I've, I've done it myself and I've seen it so many times with the CSRs where it's like, Oh my gosh, they must be freaking out about money before they even really get into what the concern is. And, and for me as a manager, the the more time I, I have been doing this and the more time I've had these conversations with the clients, when we actually start to talk about what their concerns are and I dig into it with them, a lot of the time it isn't actually the money. That's the outward facing complaint that they give. But when I dig into it, that isn't actually the concern. And I think one of the challenges for the team is that they just hear the initial complaint and immediately jump to that space of I'm I'm going to take this personally, I'm going to feel hurt, or I'm going to feel like I have to fix this for them. Right. I, I agree. I think that they even go farther in that jump sometimes where this person seems angry, or they seem frustrated. I bet this is about the price. And mm-hmm. we'll even make that jump. So you're right. Sometimes the client says, oh, this I, I, this is ridiculous price, or I can't pay for this, or I can't pay this, mm-hmm. or I shouldn't pay this. And you're right in that sometimes that's a mask for another problem, and that, that's often true. Mm-hmm. But I, and this is something I am guilty of, is if a client is frustrated, my brain immediately goes, oh, this is too expensive. And mm-hmm. that is not fair, and that is not accurate. Mm-hmm. And so the first tool that we want to really, the hard tool we want to put in the toolbox is opening new questions. Yeah. Right? And, the, mm-hmm. and the front desk should have them because if that's where the, the conversation is happening and going down. So the first question is, what questions do you have for me? So this person is upset. They seem to be upset. Do you have questions about what we did today? What questions do you have for me? 
how how can I help? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. those they may sound simplistic, but they will unlock a productive conversation. So make sure you've got those tools in the toolbox for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, another really good specific question to ask them is, um, is did did someone go through a treatment plan or did someone go through the plan for today? Like particularly if client has come out of the exam room and now they're standing at the front desk and they're upset about, about the the total price for the day or they're upset, upset about the cost of a lab panel because, Oh, they didn't tell me it was going to be that much. I think a super helpful tool is to just ask them, did someone go through a treatment plan with you or did someone go through the cost for today with you? And then it is a closed question, right? It's not an open-ended one. But if they say yes, you have the ability to ask them, would you like me to go through this with you to make sure that we are on the same page and that nothing got missed? You still have the opportunity to ask them if if they want you to go over it with them again or if they have questions for the technician who went over it with them or whatever. But I, it's not wrong to ask them that question. And it's a really good starting place because a lot of times I've had clients say, um, yes, someone went over it with them. And, and when I ask them, would it be okay if I threw you, I understand what you guys talked about because I wasn't in the exam room. And then when we are actually going through it line by line, the client will say to me, oh, yeah, I didn't hear them talk about that part or, oh, I didn't understand that those things were related or or whatever. And and oftentimes it is a, a miss in communication and it's an opportunity for the client to recognize what they may have missed or to point out um, when when they were going through things where something may have gotten missed on our on our part. Yeah, I, I think that I think that that's great. I put um, I put forward whenever we talk about tools for dealing with uh, dealing with upset people um, or having hard conversations. I put forward the happy afro that I love, which is <laughs> you know, am, can I be happy? Right, uh, and for me, that's assume good intent with a with a client. The person is frustrated. They complain about the bill. They complain about the price. Happy afro it. That means can I be happy about talking to this person? I want to be in a good headspace. Um, a Am I assuming good intent? You know, am I looking at this client and saying, this is a person who's just trying to make it in the world. They're trying to do right by their pet. They've got constraints. You know, everyone's fighting a battle I don't know anything about. So assume good intent. Um, The uh, F is, has this person been set up to fail? Which means, and that goes to your point, did someone go through the treatment plan with you? Mm -hmm. Right? Has this person, maybe they got set up to fail. Maybe... It was not communicated to them what was going to happen. Maybe things were not explained well, or maybe they missed it, or maybe things were explained very well to their spouse, and their mm-hmm. spouse did not communicate these things. Yeah. So, exactly. <laughs> Has this person been set up to fail? Mm-hmm. R is responsibility. What is my role? What is my responsibility? Maybe I'm the one who didn't explain a thing to them, right? Maybe maybe I said something that was scary for them, and now it's their, their emotions are all fired up, I, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then, oh, what is the outcome that I want? Right? How do I want this to end? And so happy Afro, I think that that's a good tool, tool 
What? Why are you laughing? I love it. I I love it so much. But at the same time, all I'm picturing right now is you sitting there with a yep. big happy afro with rainbows and sparkles coming out of it. Like yep. that's <laughs> so. That's exa- it's exactly when a client complains to you about the price, I want you to picture me yes. with a big sparkly rainbow afro. And like that's yeah, that's why I love the happy afro. Oh happy my God. afro listeners, the whole way. Listeners, you are welcome because yeah. that will now be the picture that is in your head when you're talking to angry clients. It will it will force you to take a deep breath because all you're picturing is Dr. Andy Rourke with the big happy afro. Choose I love to be it. happy. Choose to like this person. Assume that their intent is good. Um, uh, uh, think about how they may have been set up to fail. Think about what our role and responsibility is here. And then what is the outcome that we want to achieve? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. How, I think, how do you feel about, how do you feel about apologizing when they're, uh, yeah. How do you feel about apologizing? Yeah. I was just going to ask you that too, because when you're talking about wh- what is, what is the outcome and, and you talked about the R being responsibility, like, do I have any responsibility for this? And I think that's important. I think a lot of times um, I have seen the tendency, particularly for um, newer front desk team, if there's a client who is complaining about the price there, the answer is, Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I, I know that it's, it's really expensive. And, um, which I don't actually have a problem with um, the apology or acknowledging that it that it feels expensive to the client. I think the challenge for me is when um, I see team members, whether it's technicians or front desk staff or or even doctors, where the conversation starts to slide into why the the price is being expenses expensive without any. Um, without any ownership over why our prices are set the way that they are. So for me, I always, I always um, come from the place of it is never wrong to apologize, but I, I can always offer an apology for, for the impact that something has to someone without necessarily acknowledging um, or trying to shift it into the area of blame. So maybe, um, you know, we explained to one spouse on the phone what the plan and what the cost was going to be before the appointment. And then it's the other spouse that is here with the pet. It is always okay to say, I am really sorry that um, there was miscommunication or that you feel like you didn't understand before we went ahead we actually went over this and had the conversation with your wife. And so I can completely understand why you may not feel like you know what's going on today because it sounds like we didn't go over it again with you. And I apologize for that. There's a big difference in apologizing for the impact um, that something has to someone. And uh, on the flip side of that, having to apologize and take ownership of a thing from a place of blame, I guess, if that, if that makes any sense. So I like the apology and from a people handling perspective, when someone is amped up and they are upset, even if they're not at a 10, even if that they're only at a five or a six, when you start out by offering an apology, it makes them feel heard. And that right there can almost always take someone's anger from a eight, nine, 10 down to a five or six, just because they, they feel heard. That makes a huge impact. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I like the apology. 
I so there's some caveats here. <clears throat> I don't apologize for our prices, but I will apologize for the experience of the pet owner. And so, for example, if they get up to the front desk and go, I can't believe how expensive this is. I'm not going to apologize to them because of the prices that we set. Right. But she shouldn't be at the front desk finding out how expensive this is. Right? Like, that shouldn't have happened. Can we agree that that's not okay? Right. I mean, what an old school move to be like, I'm just going to do this stuff. And then the front desk can break the news to them about what it costs. Right. <laughs> you should apologize for that. <laughs> and, and not the front desk. Someone should apologize to the front desk because they got screwed. Yeah, absolutely. So, so there's things like that. And, and you say, I apologize for the way that, that the client feels or what their emotions are. Um, you know, I'm sorry this wasn't, this wasn't clear. Things like that. I, I think that that's fine. I'm not going to say, yeah, I'm sorry we charged so much. No, right. uh, we... We ch- I find it's very healthy and beneficial. It's a good personal boundary for me to believe the prices are what they are. Mm-hmm. And go back and listen to our episode on the staff keeps changing the prices for a long discussion of why <laughs> I think that. But for me, the prices are what they are. And we right. have to charge what we have to charge to stay in business and to take care of our staff. And so I'm not going to apologize to you for that. I will apologize if that's hard. You know, I'm, I'm sorry if that's hard. Uh, to come up with, or I'm sorry if, you know, that that is expensive. I, I wish that I could feed my family with goodwill and thank you cards. Like, and I don't mean to be glib about it, you know, but you know, I, it's just, these are the realities that we all deal with. But if someone is struggling financially and they're in a hard spot of having to try to find money to take care of their pet, man, like I get that. I feel, I feel for those people. So I'm totally going to empathize with them. But again, there's a difference in apologizing for the experience the pet owner is, is having and apologizing for our prices. Mm-hmm. And so I just yeah. I just don't want to get drawn into that. Yeah, for sure. So do you do you have any other other tools um besides not taking it personally, putting on your happy afro, assuming good intent on the part of the client and um not apologizing for the price? Those are the, those are the those are the big ones. Okay. Beyond that, this is there's not a lot of tools that are going to help you here. Mm-hmm. This is a skill. Yep. Right. This is a yep. skill. And so if you if you're there and you're listening and you're like, those were some pretty wimpy tools, guys. There's just there's not a lot of tools other than what what we laid down. Beyond that, it goes to the kung fu that you have. <laughs> it's the kung fu. This is a skill. There's only one way to make skills better, and that's to practice them. Yep. There's nothing that we're going to say to people on the podcast that's going to make them into great front desk person handling client complaints or great technician talking on the phone. It's purely practice. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that we have to just keep putting our staff up there to get beaten up by the clients? No. No. I agree. <laughs> we practice. You've got. We've got to practice, and especially if, you know – if, if you're at the point where you're writing emails to us because this is happening to your staff, mm-hmm. it is worth you taking the time to practice this skill. And so let's get into the into the role play thing again. There's <laughs> nothing better than role play for building skills. And I'll just lay down my things again real fast. Don't call it role play. The staff hates when you call it role play. Yeah. It terrifies <laughs> them. Call it practicing what we're going to say. So mm-hmm. let's have a meeting 
and let's practice what we're going to say. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and there's, uh, so, so do you agree with that? Yes. A hundred percent. I think, right. I think we all know that place where we say, Hey guys, we're going to role play this and everybody loses their mind. <laughs> yeah. So why do, why do we keep doing that? Like we, you, you have to, you, if you're doing the same thing over and over again and you keep slamming into the brick wall, at some point you have to figure out how to go around the brick wall. And so the answer is, look, you guys, let's, let's talk about this. Let's walk through it together. Let's figure out what to say. And then let's, let's practice how we're going to say it. Mm-hmm. That does not feel as scary, threatening, intimidating, um, nerve wracking, um, you know, to someone who hates getting up in front of people, because believe it or not, I am, I am one of those people. I hate getting up in front of a group. And so if you said to me, um, Hey, let, we're going to do some role playing and I want you to stand up in front of everybody and, and uh, tell us how you would answer this question from a client. I can do it now, but it took me years of practice to feel confident to do that. But if you said to me, hey, let's sit here in a group and let's let's talk about let's talk about a question that you get um, a lot from clients. Or if you have a client who's upset about their bill at the front desk, what would you say? And we kind of go around in a group and we work on it together and we come up with a script and then you say, okay, now let's practice doing this. That feels radically different than, hey, we're going to have a staff meeting. We're going to role play today, guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I know I've told you my system a million times, but let me let me run through it here. Uh, so when we start talking about about practicing what we're going to say and really getting into it, mm-hmm. uh, it's scary. And mm-hmm. it's uh, people will say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, it's scary. But after you do it for a while, the staff will be OK with it. They get comfortable mm-hmm. with it. And <laughs> I, Stephanie's shaking her head. No, I I think that I think there's some truth to that. I d- yes. it's not I don't think it's as much true as people wish it was. Right. And that also doesn't help you if you can't get people to do it the first time. Right. And they and they fight you every time until you just quit doing it. Mm-hmm. So I do think that it can get easier once you train people about what you're going to do and it becomes the norm. So how do you sure. do, how do you do that? How do, how do we walk them up to this exercise? And so I have a specific way that I do it. And the first way that I do it is let's take this exact example. We are talking about clients that are complaining about the price. And so what I will do is stand in front of the team and say, all right, guys, let's do this together. I need you guys to coach me here. I want you to walk me through it. Mrs. Johnson is on the phone or I'll do a different one and say, Mrs. Johnson is at the front desk and I am at the front desk. And Mrs. Mm -hmm. Johnson says, and generally I like to say exactly what a client said recently because Mm -hmm. they all go, then it's not just Andy's making up a specific weird example. It's like, oh, there was a lady here named Mrs. Johnson yesterday. This is exactly what she said. Okay, guys, coach me. I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to respond to her. What is the first thing that I should say? And then you let the staff tell you and they'll say, oh, well, you should apologize. Okay, great. Well, what does that look like? What what exactly does that sound like? Okay, cool. So now I have apologized. Where do we go from here? What's the next thing that I'm going to say to her? And this is me drawing knowledge from the group, okay? They are all sitting in their chairs exactly where they are. It's a lunch meeting, uh, so they're they're eating. Uh, and, and they're all sitting in their chairs that have Post-it notes on them because they all stuck their name on the chairs first thing in the morning <laughs> so that they would get a good chair. I'm sure that's not the only clinic. Mine isn't the only clinic where that happens, right? But there's Post-it notes 
safe seats. <laughs> They've got the chair that they like. Uh-huh. And they are sitting comfortably and they are telling they are they are giving me their their thoughts on what they would say. Okay. So a couple of things are happening here. They are engaging, they are turning their brain on, they are sharing their thoughts. Their colleagues are hearing the other technicians or the other front desk people say these things. So it's not me saying, guys, I'm going to tell you what to do and how to do it. This is them coaching each other. And when yeah. uh, Nikki says, this is what I say, other people who go, go, oh, I believe that Nikki says that. And I've heard her say that. And that does, and that does work. Mm -hmm. And so we're able to get them to peer coach. They are coaching each other. This is an organic creation of a plan. It's not me, the owner, me, the manager saying, guys, this is what we're going to do. It's mm -hmm. me saying to them, what do you guys want to do? What feels good and normal to you? Let's take your style and let's workshop it and iron it. And there'll be sometimes I'll push back and, I, and they'll say, well, I would do this. And I will say gently, oh, okay, I, I hear that. Why, why do you want to say that? And they'll say, okay, all right. What, what, what might be problematic about saying that? Or, or how could that maybe get us into trouble? And now we're having this great discussion. And again, it's a discussion. It's not top-down lecture. Okay. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I can get those guys into that. And we have this discussion about what do we say to clients? And you can do this with any problem that you're having, any sort of customer service problem, mm -hmm. right? You take mm -hmm. a specific example, you workshop it like this. Okay. So now I get them to talk and we talk all the way through the whole thing. I say, great. Well, how's everybody feel? Feel good? Okay, cool. All right. Let's do this again. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you guys to take turns. And one of you will be Mrs. Johnson and one of you will be, uh, will be you or you'll be the front desk staff mm -hmm. or whatever. And now they're doing it with their neighbors. And again, they're still not standing up in front of the group, which is the most terrifying thing. Right. And after they talk it through with their neighbors and they're actually practicing, then I can even say, is somebody willing to come up and do this with me? Or if I'm not ready to make that jump, what I'll do is I'll have them role play with their neighbors and then we'll switch. And I call time on and say, okay, we need to switch now. And then I'll go around and say, who's working with somebody who did a really great job? What did that, what did Stephanie did a great job? Okay, cool. Tell me what Stephanie did that was so great. And again, it's another really good way. So now Stephanie's getting, getting um, some positive reinforcement. They're, they're fluffing her pillows. They are just, you know what I mean? She's having a good experience. We are learning. We are going. <laughs> Sorry. Stephanie doesn't like what I say, fluffing her pillows. <laughs> Apparently, this is a real, like, um, saying in the it South. It is a real saying. It's a real saying. <laughs> if someone fluffs your pillows, they are saying nice things about you. And oh, I say that. It's a thing that I say. And then I have to clean Stephanie off the floor. Every time. Oh my God. I'm okay. <laughs> side 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 conversation over. Okay. I'm done. I am done laughing. But you know what? I have to say that I I absolutely love all of what you just said, and my mind is kind of a little bit blown. But I particularly love the idea of getting them to acknowledge one another while you're practicing because mm -hmm. that feels so much more comfortable and also as someone who who doesn't like um being acknowledged in front of people 
I think that I would feel really good if one of my peers was like, hey, you just said something that that was really awesome. Say that thing again. That feels radically different than someone putting me on the spot and saying, hey, you're really good when you talk to clients. Do this thing in front of everybody. Yes, that's that's exactly it. Is all the things are true uh, I said about um, – Who's, who's working with someone who did a wonderful job and they say, Stephanie did a wonderful job. And I say, what did she do? Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, she was so good at this and she did it so good with that. One, that, that's good. Stephanie feels appreciated. She feels celebrated. Mm-hmm. Everyone is benefiting from the, the system that Stephanie has figured out for herself, right? Like mm-hmm. the rest of the staff is, is hearing this. And what will happen is they will all nod their heads like, hmm, yes, that's what I do as well. That's very mm-hmm. similar to what I do <laughs> In the room. Yeah, no, I, I think she said, I, you know, honestly, she sounds almost exactly word for word like me. I, I, yeah. And that's what they will, that's the airs they'll put on. But the truth is they will say, oh yeah, no, that is a little bit better than what I do, you know? And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's a way of, of, of them picking these things up without feeling like they're being made a student, right? It's very much peer learning. And so they they mm-hmm. do pick it up. And the other part, and you you really put your finger right on this, and so you can see where I'm going. The other part is after someone has celebrated Stephanie and told Stephanie how great she was and how great what she was or what she said was, it's not that big a step for me to go, hey Stephanie, would you would you role play with me um, up here in front of everybody? Would you stand up for a second mm-hmm. and just and just do this with me and just do what you did with uh with uh with Tasha, please, and. And now we're where I want to end up, which is up here right. doing a great example of how to do this in front of everybody. And now everyone is benefiting from this. But I didn't have to manufacture it. It all came organically. Right. It presented itself. It doesn't look overly polished. It looks authentic. And now I've got someone who is showing the others how to do it up in front. And that's how I get to that point. Well, and I think that that is so important because I know I have, I have done this as a, as a manager, I have, I have done the role playing thing and I have, I've made the mistake that we talk about, which is, okay, so let's role play. Right. And eventually even, even in the most uncomfortable of groups, someone lets somebody else put them on the spot or someone reluctantly volunteers and says, okay, well, I'll do it. And usually the person who reluctantly volunteers is your person who is really good at it, which is why they're volunteering. And so they'll get up and they'll give their spiel. And then everybody's like, oh yeah, that's great. That's what I can do that too. Like that. Okay. Now we're done. And it stops there. And you miss all of that stuff that you talked about in the middle, which is working together as a team to recognize where can we add more to this conversation? How can we layer all of these things together? And even someone who is really practiced and polished and has the capacity to have these conversations on the fly with a client, they can still add so much more if it's done in a collaborative um, group experience, like the the way that you laid it out. I, I really love that. And I think um, I'm actually going to try it with my team here. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's just, it's my jam. I, I just, yeah. I just think Again, it gets into the core philosophy. This has just got Uncharted written all over it. This is just what I believe as far mm-hmm. as how you train people in the modern world. This is how you work with young people who are used to being involved and engaged and who don't mm-hmm. sit back and learn passively. This is how you deal with people who want to get in and tinker. And it's how you gamify your staff meeting. Mm-hmm. And so I just I believe this is how you, how you teach and how you train. 
And then I think you can, um, you can, if you don't have somebody who is an active scribe in your team meetings, I think then the next step is you can use um, paper on the wall or you can use a whiteboard, whatever you, whatever you have and have the team say, okay, that was awesome. Like we, now we've got a great example. We just played it. So let's go through and let's write out a script so that for your people who are, are the book learners and need to write it down and need to have the the ability to see it written in front of them and then rehearse the words, you still go through that step in that process for them and you script out, what do we want this to look like? And, and then you let them all practice it. And the more you practice it, the more confident they get in their abilities to go off script. And eventually you don't need the script anymore. Like it's there and you can refer back to it. And especially when you're then onboarding or um, integrating new members to your team, you have something to go back to and you have a starting place and you can still do this exercise all over again, or you might just be able to do it one-on-one with them, but you also have that tool to go along with it um, as you, as you move forward as a team. Yeah, I agree. And you know, some people really want a framework here. And so I'll give you a framework really quickly. Maybe this should have been a tool, but but I'll give it to you here. I think that we should train our people on how to disagree with clients. And this is a life skill, guys. This is how to disagree with your boss. It's how to disagree with the doctors. It's how to disagree with anybody. Okay? So when I disagree with people, I have a four-step process. Okay? So the first thing, there's a client and they say, you know, this is this is just, this is, this is unreasonable. This is unreasonable. I don't know what the thing is, but something is unreasonable. Well, I, I disagree. I disagree that what we're asking you is unreasonable. Okay. So how do I do that? Number one, say something positive or empathetic, right? So the first words out of your mouth are not, no, it's not. It's not. Mm, I don't think so. It's, it's not. Let me tell you why you're wrong. It's, uh, you know what? I totally understand how it can feel that way. Oh yeah. You know, I, I've, I've been there, you know, I'm going to say, so I may just say, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say something positive Mm -hmm. because that puts me on their side of the table. They're expecting something negative. They're looking for something of, are you going to agree with me? or Are you going to be defensive? So I will say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm totally going to disagree, but I'm, I'm setting the table. So the first thing you do is say something positive, something empathetic. The okay. next thing you the next thing you do is ask a question. Did somebody go through the treatment plan with you today? Mm-hmm. Are there any specific questions that you have about what we did or what we want to do? Would you like the technician to come back up and and answer any more questions or talk to you about what the next steps might be? Mm-hmm. Right. Number three, I'm going to actively listen to what they say. So when he goes, well, you know, it's 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 not it's not. I mean, it's not that they didn't explain it. It's just that whatever. I am going to actively listen to this person. Good eye contact, nodding my head. Mm-hmm. I may jot some notes down. I, you know, I am going to make this person feel heard. And active listening is the stuff that we've all been taught before. We listen, we nod, eye contact. We summarize back to them what they're saying. We restate their position. We restate. So, so, so what you're saying is blank. Mm-hmm. And I do that. Because one, I want them to validate and, co- and confirm that, that I understand where they're coming from so that I can relay that to other people if I need. But number two, I want them to know that I heard them mm-hmm. and that I get where they're coming from. So that's mm-hmm. actively listen. And the last part is 
give options or state what we should do next. I, you know what? I understand what you're saying. I think we've got a, uh, we've got a couple of options. I can have the technician come back up and talk through everything with you. I can have the doctor give you a call later on to answer questions, or we can schedule the recheck appointment for five days from now. And I'll just block a little bit of extra time and that you have questions and we can go through everything then. Mm-hmm. Would any of those work for you or which one would you like to do? Yeah. I, I like, I love that. Um, wh- which one, which one would you like to do or which one of those would work for you? Because I think it really forces them to get out of the place where they can say no or say, well, that, you know, that, that doesn't work. It forces their brain to have to think about which choice, not yes or no, which, which is so helpful because when someone is in a a state of upset, their brain isn't processing the way that it, it normally would necessarily. And so forcing them to kind of think that way is, is a super helpful tool. There was actually some, there was some research in Harvard Business Review a year or so ago about the best customer service representatives and how to get high satisfaction scores from clients mm-hmm. that are uh, reporting problems or having complaints. Mm-hmm. And the approach that scored the highest is not the what would you like to do mm-hmm. approach. It was very much here's what we should do. Here's what we need to do here are the options, which one would you like to do? When they are frustrated, when they have a problem, they don't want to tell you what to do. They don't know. They don't know what is possible. They want you to tell them what they should do or what the next step is or give them defined things. Say, we can do A, we can do B. Which one would you like to do? There's structure there and they feel like they're moving forward. The... I don't know. We we could do this, or 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 we could do that. I mean, what does any of this sound good to you? Um, that's frustrating mm-hmm. for them, mm-hmm. even though you're saying, "But Andy, I'm being so um, agreeable. Andy, I'm I am willing to do whatever they want." That doesn't help. It's too you know. It's too open. It's too broad. Yeah. Tell them what they should do tell them what their options are and ask them which one they would like. And, and we're moving them to a resolution. And I think, you know, to the idea of option paralysis, I think when we, sometimes when we get anxious or we get nervous and we go into fix it mode, um, like you said, it's really easy to get to that state where you go, oh, well, we could do this or we could do this or we could do this. And at some point the brain reaches the saturation and and it's hard to think about, I I always learn to give them two or three at the most and then stop and say, which would, which of these would work for you. And if their answer is, well, none of those work for me, then you still have the space to give them potentially some more options. Um, But you, you keep it limited so that the brain can actually process what is, what is being said. I think that that part is uh, of what you said was was super important. Oh, sure. Definitely. Option paralysis is a real thing. We don't want to overwhelm them with options. So so when you're repeating back to them and you're you're using the broken record tool and you're just, um, you know, if they say no, but those are the only options that you're giving to them, you you go into the mode of, 
okay, I really want to help you solve this problem. I can do X or I can do Y. Which would you prefer? And repeating it back to them. Because if you're in a place where those are the options, there are there are no other options. And I think we've all been there, right? When when you have a client who is like, well, you already just did all of this this work and now I don't want to pay for it. Okay, well, that isn't a choice. So here's choice A and here's choice B. This is how I can work with you. We can apply for care credit. We can apply for scratch pay. Which would you like? That may be the answer and you may have to still just repeat it back to them and don't be afraid to be the broken record. Yeah, the broken record, again, it's a down the line thing. It's definitely Mm -hmm. not up front. But at some point, if they, you know, it costs what it costs, we can go to surgery or not. At some point, you kind of are a broken record. That doesn't mean you lose your empathy. No. But we keep coming back again and again to these are the options. And we may restate them and restate them differently and restate mm-hmm. them another way. Mm-hmm. You know, last, last, final comments here. Saying nothing sometimes is an option as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the one I hear a lot is people go, you know, I paid for a wing of this building. And people go, well, what do you say <laughs> when they say that? And the answer for me is nothing. Like, I, you know, I, I will smile and I say nothing. So they'll go, you know, um, they'll be, they'll be checking out and they're like $300. Oh man. You know, I paid for a wing of this building and I'll go. <laughs> and then they go, you take American express. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> and that's it. Like water off a duck's back. Right. You know, like some right. of the stuff you have to, you have to let it go. And I think a lot of people get really, we hate those jabs or we take them really personally. Like, Oh my gosh, this person who just said to you, you know, I paid for a wing in this building. You know what they did? They left and they went to the auto mechanic and they picked and they got their oil changed. And the, and the auto mechanic was like $38. And they're like, you know, I paid for a wing of this building. <laughs> and, and then, you know, and then they go and uh, they go pick up lunch from their favorite restaurant. And they're like, it's $38 for your family fun pack. And they're like, you know, I paid for uh, a wing of this restaurant. And they just, they just say it to everybody all right. the time because right. in their mind, they're a big spender who pays for everything. You right. know, just let, we, we got to let some of the stuff go. So not responding with, with little jabs like that. Yeah. Honestly, oftentimes that's the best response is just no response. And the last thing I'll say is just, and I hate to end like this, but the original message mentioned, what do we do when people say, well, I'm going to. I'm going to take them home and shoot them if you don't do this thing. Right. And that's, that's different, but complaining about the price to be like, well, I'm not going to pay that. I'll just go home and shoot them. I I hate that that was specifically mentioned because it means that it happens. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that it's worth a comment because I handle that a little bit differently. Um, to me, just being real candid when someone threatens animal abuse, if I don't do what they want, that's extortion. That's blackmail. You're saying to me, you will do this work uh, without compensation or you'll do this work for what I choose to give to you. And if you don't, I will do something abusive to this animal. That's morally wrong and unethical. And I just I I can't abide by it. Mm -hmm. And so um, so for me, uh, that that's just a non-starter. And I get pretty. I, I'm done with those people. Like that's a client that's getting fired. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not 
I'm not dealing with those people. So what do you do in the moment? I think is is the question some people mm-hmm. some people answer or, or some people ask. And sort of shooting from the hip, what happens is they say, well, you know, I can't afford that. I guess I'll go home and shoot them. Um, I will look them straight in the eye and, and say, I understand you feel that way. If you, you know, if we cannot, uh, if you, if we cannot do the, the surgery that we need to do, you know, let, uh, let, we will put her to sleep because I do not want her to suffer. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's it. And, um, this is sort of a, again, we're now we're getting a little bit of philosophy thing. I am totally willing to no charge for euthanasia. And that is yes. a thing that I get to just because I'm like, I never like, I, you know, we talk about not discounting and charging what we're worth and it's true. And for me, that's always true, but none of us got into this for the money. And there are certain ethical lines. Mm-hmm. I will never let a pet suffer mm-hmm. because okay. of money, mm-hmm. like because of money, yeah. I will yeah. eat that price. I, and if, if the clinic I work for goes, Andy, you can't do that. I will, I will reach into my wallet and I will pay for that because yeah. that is my, that is my soul. And yeah. it happens so rarely. It's not a big deal. Um, yeah. it's happened once or twice in my career and I've never had a clinic who's pushed back on it. It's if the alternative is we're going to take this pet home and shoot it. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. Yep. You can give this pet to me. And if they won't give you the pet or they won't let you do this, they're bluffing and they are purely trying to manipulate you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you just need to know that. Mm-hmm. And, and I would agree with that a hundred percent. And I would take it one step further, which is that, um, I, on a, on a, I feel the same way that you do. And, um, as a, as a manager, I don't even think it's a veterinarian thing. I think that it's a, it's a all team thing. And I want my team to feel empowered to be able to say the exact same thing, to be able to say, um, you know, Mr. Johnson, I hear what you're saying. And I would love to go get Dr. Rourke and let him know that that is how you feel because we can absolutely discuss, you know, um, putting Fluffy to sleep and, and euthanizing her so that she doesn't have to go home and suffer today. I want my team to be empowered to have that exact same conversation and know that that is an option. And I am really thankful to have worked in hospitals where the practice owners or the managing veterinarians all feel the same way and where the team is empowered to say, we are not going to let a a pet suffer. If we don't have a resource option for um, surrenders, when, when that is an option, when a, when an owner really can't provide care and goes to that place of, of emotionally trying to blackmail the the team um, that if there is not a surrender option available, that everybody on the team has the power to say, we are going to no charge this this euthanasia and take care of this pet so that we don't see the pet suffering. I think that that's that's really really important and and I think you were correct in saying that it really sucks that we even have to have this conversation but the reality is is that we do because we know that we've I, I this I've heard it more unfortunately more times than I want to have heard it in my career. And it it is a reality. And I think we need to talk about it as our team and talk about recognizing it as emotional blackmail and extortion. And how do we, how do we deal with it together? I think that part is really important. Yeah. I think, I think the team should know what surrender options are. This shouldn't yeah. be something that happens on the fly. If yep. someone can't afford care and they want to surrender their pet, do we do that? Are yep. there, you know, where do we send them? Yep. You know, what do we do? 
Yeah. Uh, and then depending on the threat that's made and how the people act, uh, we may need to be calling animal control. Yes. So those that's yep. you know those are the things. All right. Yep. I feel good. You got anything else to add to this? No, I think I think that this is good, and I and I hope that we we I hope this was helpful because it is hard to know what to say and how to say it sometimes. And I think both you and I are on the same page and really firmly believe that you can absolutely conquer that. It has to start with what are figuring out what are we going to say, and then it has to it has to be practiced totally. over and over. Absolutely. Thanks for doing this with me. I love yeah. having you on the podcast. I love working with you. I'm not just fluffing your pillows. Have a great day. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a good one. And that is our episode. Gang, I hope you really enjoyed it. If you got a question, if you got a problem, if you got a challenge, if you got a struggle, if you have a quest that you're on, and Stephanie and I can help you out, please shoot us an email. You can email us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. If you love the podcast, maybe you should be an Uncharted. Guys, Stephanie and I are all over the place in Uncharted. We are doing watch parties. We have discussions. Stephanie's got an intensive course coming up on practice financials in a few short months. You want to get in and get registered for that. So much going on. Check out unchartedvet.com to learn more. We would love to see you in the community. Gang, take care. Be well. Talk to you soon. Bye.